This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. By golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. I'm Haley Stoddart. And I am Zach Moore. And this week, we have a very special guest with us from the land of Oz, down under, Star Trek artist extraordinaire, Mr. Lee Sargent. Welcome to the show, Lee. Hello, everyone. Thank you for the very warm welcome and the very kind words. Um, Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So we're, we're dealing with the space-time continuum here because, like, right now, where we are, it's tomorrow where you are, Lee. So, you know, already got Star Trek working. That's right. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'll keep the spoilers to a minimum. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you're not familiar with Lee by name, chances are, if you're involved in Star Trek social media in any capacity, you're at least familiar with his work. Lee is currently in the midst of a 365-day drawing challenge appropriately titled lee draws 365 star trek scribbles uh it's an it's an ever-present presence on my social media and it's all over star trek facebook and twitter and instagram and all those all those apps and sites and uh his home base is star trek 365.com where you can see all his work uh, on the project so far collected and organized so if you haven't seen it I encourage you to go there and peruse through as you listen to this week's episode. Yeah, so Lee, first of all, it's it was great exploring and, and, and checking out that, that website. It was, it was a real kick. And before we get into the project itself, let's talk about how you kind of got into Star Trek and how, what, what pulled you into the franchise and fandom and eventually how this intersected with, with your drawing talents. Yeah, sure. So my, I guess my earliest memories of Star Trek are the Might Maneuver. And I know that because it's specifically the Balok decoy puppet. Because as, because I was really, really young when I first can remember it. And I have the impression that the show was on like on Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons here in Australia. Uh, along with uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and uh, Land of the Giants. And I, even though I didn't probably understand what I was watching, I was really drawn towards that type of style of show, that 60s, uh, the, the 60s kind of sci-fi-ish type of stuff. And so I remember that. And then I, it wasn't until, I guess, I got, um, as a teen, probably a young teenager, uh, that's when I really, really got obsessed with Star Trek. And mainly because, and, and mainly, like, I, I just 
was drawn towards it. I didn't really have, like, my mum was into Star Wars. And so, you know, it's a house divided and stuff like that. Um, but I was always drawn more to Star Trek. and Drawn towards it. Ah, oh, you get it? Because he's an artist. Ah, there you go. That's it. Yeah, so I, got, I really got into the movies, uh, mainly because they were what I had best access to long before Netflix and streaming services and, and even owning uh, lots of videos and stuff like that. Uh, I had those on VHS and dreamt of owning the original series on, on video. And I, I think I did actually, I don't know if you guys have it in the US, uh, we had like a Time, Time Warner subscription thing you could do where they would send you a VHS video. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was like... Was it Publisher's Clearinghouse or some some kind of weird organization? Yeah, I don't know what you mean. yeah, that's yes. right. They used to do the records before that. That's right, Tech. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so I would get I eventually I got a, a bit of a collection of them going and they were just very they weren't great quality. Um, was it one but, know, was it one per tape? Up on. No, no. Uh, you actually no. It was a bargain. You got three per, oh. per tape, I think. Okay, see, because I, yeah. I, I guess it's uh, you know, it's the colonies problem here in America. Because I know talking to some friends over in the UK, they got three per tape as well. And we're getting we're paying nineteen ninety nine for like one episode. It's absurd. So anyway, it, well, it it did change, and this is probably uh, something I first realized this being going to be an issue for the rest of my life uh, was when they re released Star Trek on on video, and they had nicer covers. And they were two per per um, tape, and I had to buy those, and you know, and then get rid of the old tapes, and so then have the new tapes. And I think I I was talking to someone uh, a while back about how many copies of Wrath of Khan I've bought over the years as new formats come out and new versions and stuff like that. And it was just it's this continuous feast, and I and I I have no doubt in my mind that there will be some other format that I have to buy all of Star Trek in eventually. Um, I've got it in Blu-ray at this stage, so uh, which is which was um, very exciting. So I kind of grew up with that and I really got into it as a teenager and Next Generation was running in Australia for the first time um, when I was a teen. So I was at the absolute perfect age for, for that kind of, you know, the emerging uh, Star Trek boom, I guess, the golden age as, as some people refer to it. Uh, and I just fell in love with the entire franchise and it's been a huge part of my life ever since. And it's a very personal thing for me because, as I said, I wasn't influenced by other people to get into it. So it's always been, uh, that's my thing. And I think that's why people get very emotional about the show because I think that's a common experience with other people is that they, and they have a very personal connection to it. So, yeah. Well, that's exciting. I think I Yeah, answered. that sounds great. So, yeah. okay, I'm curious. Uh this whole Lee draws 365 Star Trek scribbles. That's a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't your yes, first is. time doing it, right? No, no, this is um no, this is actually uh and I think this is actually my second time doing it properly. I say second time. I've actually attempted uh, four 365-day projects. One was a 366-day project. Oh, leap year. Get you every time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it did get me, actually. It did get me, weirdly enough. Uh, so the very first time I did it uh, and was because I'd done a 30-day challenge, like a 30-day drawing challenge. You see them all the time on Twitter and, and Instagram and stuff like that, where that people list 30 topics and you and you draw or take a photo or write about every day. And I did that with drawing, and I was actually really surprised at the results. Like the first couple were, yeah, okay. 
But then as I got tighter, as I got more exhausted, uh, some real gems kind of showed up. I mean, some real terrible pieces too. I, I freely admit that it's a it's a 50-50 situation there. But um, the stuff that really worked, it was it really came out as like I almost out of exhaustion of you don't have any chance to uh, draw the way you want to draw or something like that. I guess it's a, it's a hard thing to explain because it's like you have a picture in your head about what you would like to, what it should look like. Um, and, and then when you kind of strip away everything and you're just, you just draw naturally and it's a great way of finding your natural, uh, what your style should be. And it was, uh, I think it was about five hours before midnight, um, 2013. And I said to myself, you know, what? I'd really love to do a massive challenge and I'd love to do 365 days. And then I started looking online um, because this is what I do on my um, New Year's Eve. I'm a massive party (laughs) animal. Um, I started looking online for a 365-day challenge and I realized that uh, one looking through some of them the topics were just it was going to be that was going to be the more painful element to it was going to be picking what to draw and i really wanted to remove that element and so i thought about okay well what do you know really really well and of course star trek uh and so i went okay five hours to go before 2014 started i'm going to commit to drawing a star trek drawing every day and posting it online and um, I did that and I and I completed that year and it was an amazing journey. Uh, most of that stuff's in my archives somewhere. I'm, I'm sure uh, I can find a link somewhere. Um, uh, but it was it changed so dramatically throughout the year. Like it was at one stage I had, um, you know, there was noses to begin with. If anyone's uh, familiar with my work, I don't have, I don't draw noses, which is, it concerns some people, but a lot of people do get it. Because uh, I think people are concerned about how people's sunglasses would stay on. Um, but, you know, it's it's fine. Uh, so I, you know, at one stage, so I dropped the noses at one stage. And then at another point, I had white eyes instead of black eyes. And I went through all those different kind of iterations throughout that, throughout that year and just, I'd really found what brought me joy as far as drawing was concerned. I'm not a realistic drawer. Um, you know, I can't do photo perfect drawings. Um, I'm so impressed with anyone who can. Um, but I had to find kind of what my voice was. And so the Star Trek 365 really gave that to me. And then I um, and then I tried again uh, with Star Wars. Uh, and as I said, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I like Star Wars, but I'm not I'm not really into it. But I thought it'd be really, really funny because Star Wars is notorious for its characters. They have, you know, characters who are in the background have complete stories uh, and figurines. They got an action and, figure. They got a yeah. novel. They got a backstory. Afterwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. And I kind of and the but the and so I thought, all right, I'm going to focus on. I reckon there's 365 characters easy, mm. and I'm going to do a different character every day. And it wasn't as funny about the third month in uh, when it was just, you know, it was Bindu Jab Jab or something like that. And I'm like, I, I don't care about Bindu Jab Jab. I don't know what he does and I don't know anything about him and I just don't care. Um, and so that actually, yeah, a couple of things kind of uh, tripped me up and I just went, no, I can't do that anymore. I'm not going to do that. And then, then I tried to do Star Trek 366. So that was the leap year. 
and I just it was I was in a bad place uh, throughout the year, like a lot of stuff going on in my life, and I decided to just be kind to myself and say, you know what, this it's fine. You don't need to complete this. You, you draw when you want to draw, type of thing, and we'll just this we'll just call this challenge off. Uh, but this year, I just I really really wanted to do it, and um, and it's been the response has been really really fantastic. Twitter is kind of. Um, I've really found a home with Twitter as far as like I'd been on Twitter for a fair while, uh, but it was only this year that I just discovering, I guess, the the community on Twitter for Star Trek is just phenomenal. I don't know if there's a better forum um, right now for for Star Trek fans to connect. Um, there probably is. Facebook probably fantastic for it, but I, I find um, Twitter has just been amazing. So, so yeah, so th- that's that's the reason why I do um, I do what I do because it's a, it's this wonderful kind of hard work trumps skill any day, <laughs> and you you kind of push yourself to do these things and it's and it's fun. So, I follow you on Twitter and I absolutely love seeing it. It's always so much fun to see those every day. Do you get? Do you still kind of get stressed out? I mean, we're here in September now. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure out what you're going to do for the day? Sometimes. Uh, generally, yeah, I, and that's generally the biggest stress is working out uh, what to draw um, because I often I'll find, particularly when I'm tired with it, is it has to be something I'm inspired by. So that's why I'm not a massive fan of commission pieces um, when I take them on. Like I often will do it around Christmas time because people kind of, that's often the biggest question I get is, um, oh, look, I'd really love this scene for my husband, wife, child, whatever. Um, and I'll take them on because there's a deadline and I can just churn through them really quickly. Um, well, not quickly, but there's, there's a decision already made. What happens is uh, during the, the year is I might be watching Next Generation, which has been the thing. I've been watching rewatching Next Generation. And so I tend to then go, I want to draw a lot of Next Generation because that's what's and, and then I realized, you know, a month in, I've drawn Jean-Luc Picard 15 times and, and no one else. Um, and some people are happy with that and some people are not so happy with it. So, so yeah, the stress is generally, yeah, I think you've nailed it there. It's a stress is not so much the doing the art because I love doing the art. And I think if you're going to do stuff like this, you have to love drawing and you have to love drawing these characters. Uh, and you have to love doing these things. The, the Star Wars one showed that that didn't work. Um because of it just you know I wasn't passionate about them um, so you've got to really lo- love doing the drawing so yeah the stress point sometimes is oh look what scene there's so many to pick from <laughs> that's the other thing it's like and you want to you get moved by a scene and you just want it you want to capture it but you don't want to do it injustice you don't want to kind of you know you, you and, and often I'll get caught up in the cinematography of it so there's, there'll be an amazing shot but it doesn't work for my style. But then I'm like, oh, I so want to draw that scene. So I have to redo that scene completely. Uh, but I think the, look, it really gets outweighed. All of it gets outweighed by uh, probably what you, you 100% said. Uh, the reaction I get from people, I, uh, I think there's not probably another day that goes doesn't go by that I don't get um, messages from people who say, you know, um, this is you know i love waking up in the morning to this type of thing it's 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 a constant in my inbox um and also they they explain kind of what scenes what the scenes mean to them and i think this is the bit which really throws me for a six because i'll draw a scene and it doesn't 
necessarily hold emotional impact for me apart from the characters you know i like the characters or whatever um but i might draw a scene and, I, and it's just and for me it's like it's done I've, I've posted it i'm already moving on to the next one where someone else will go you know i saw that scene when i was 14 and i was going through a really really rough time and that actual scene means everything to me thank you so much for recognizing it and it's that recognition of a scene that um because i get to do a lot of very small scenes um so i'll often look for the most underrated scene in a in a in an episode like a scene that i kind of go i like that you know it's not the it's not the it's not cisco holding the um the drink at the end of of that episode um that everyone loves and i can't remember the name of it so i'm a terrible trekkie um but you know everyone loves you know particular sequences but then i'll look for like a smaller one which might be um you know someone just doing something very mundane but i really love it and then someone else noticed that scene too and that meant a lot to them and it's like wow okay uh and that's the biggest surprise i think i got even from the first one was um i'd do a scene because i thought it was either cool or i just liked the look of it or i just felt like drawing that and then someone else would come back and say you know what I became a lawyer because of this episode or I did this because of this and and you go wow okay and they said you captured you know just that inkling of that feeling that I had and that's what's really fantastic about this is it's not so much about what I and this is I guess artwork in general um it's it's not what I've it's not what I think of it um or what I kind of feel it's it's what everyone else puts onto it and if everyone else kind of like there'll be a sh- I'll do a shot where I kind of look at it and go, I'm not sure I nailed that. Um, and I do that like often you you often critical yourself. But so everyone else kind of jumps in and goes, oh, my God, the look on his face is perfect. And it's like, oh, OK, that's oh, good. You know, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> now, you know, and that's the thing. And I'll say I'll take credit for it. Sure. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, some days you just kind of they're not always going to be winners. And then someone kind of comes in and goes, oh, yeah, but the shading here is amazing. And you've got to go, thanks. That's really awesome. And then there are other people who go, where's his nose? And you go, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't please everybody. And that's okay. No, that's right. There's so- a lot of a lot of nose enthusiasts out there who are very angry with it. <laughs> So um, do you have any characters, ships that uh, is your favorite or do you find the most challenging? Yeah, it's I, I don't like drawing ships at all, which is weird. Um, I'm not I don't like mechanical stuff so much. Um, I like organic even when I draw That's why I like I like drawing the Borg because I get to draw mechanically, but I get to draw organically at the same time. So you are drawing you know mechanical things but you're doing them in a very organic manner so you know there's no necessary rules there you just got to stick tubes all over the place and you'll get away with it um but i'm giving away too much now um so the ships are a real challenge for me when i draw a ship uh, i did a series of the enterprises uh which in in my head was really really a cool idea but when i sat down to do it it's like oh, wow, this is like, I've got to sit there with 15 different reference photos and I agonize over every single item and then they suddenly have huge jumps of inaccurate stuff on the on the page where I just go, okay, I don't care. The deflectors will go here, it's fine, whatever, I don't care. Um, and, and, you know, and you, you have to decide what detail to keep and what detail not to bother with or what to, blo- to just gloss over completely. And so I, I'm... I'm I enjoy them, but I don't enjoy them. And in saying that, I've I've kind of um, 
my favorite ship to draw to just to be complicated is um probably the original enterprise which is my first love um it's the right answer it's the right it's yeah. the standard orbit original <laughs> yes. podcast well said <laughs> As so much so, I've I've actually designed a tattoo for myself where I'm going to um like I've got a, another tattoo and someone and it was drawn by a Mexican artist and um, everyone's like oh why didn't you draw it yourself and it's like oh well I really liked what he was doing it was my first tattoo so let's not get too carried away with but um the second tattoo that I'm going to get is definitely going to be uh, the Enterprise from um the top down um showing. Yeah, the full kind of, and I've drawn that already, so it's really kind of um, I'm really excited about kind of when I get that done, um, and I, and that was fun because I agonised over whether or not I should do it from the side because it's how it would appear in an episode. Um, right, like yeah, the that, iconic profile you see. So yeah, often, right? yeah, and I thought that'd be cool on my arm, on my forearm, kind of. You know, I could look down and there's you know the Enterprise as it appears in episodes, but I, I went from the top down uh, because it's just that's that's yeah. I, it's I a asked nice, my it's wife. a very nice aspect, yeah. yeah. Well, it is. I asked my wife, and and this is the thing. My wife, um, she's not a Star Trek fan. Um, we we haven't gotten divorced over it, um, but. Uh, <laughs> When asked, when I do ask her about, you know, which which ship she thinks is the most beautiful, she says they're all ugly, and I go, oh, I don't know how I can deal with this. I'm just going to go into another room. Um, <laughs> she does not think the Enterprise is a gorgeous looking ship, and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know how we've stayed together, but um, well, I do know she's she's well out of my league, so um, I'm not going to to jeopardize that any further um, based on this. <laughs> so yeah, so the ships are interesting. Uh, I really enjoy drawing Spock. Uh, I really enjoy drawing Worf. Uh, I, I enjoy drawing Seven of Nine, although she brings me some challenges because I'm not probably completely, um, I'm just trying to think of the right, right word for it, comfortable with drawing the female form. I, I kind of get weirded out about uh, you drawing it too pervy or something like that when you're, particularly with Seven of Nine, because she's just wearing a catsuit. So when you go to yeah, draw her. Your style is more, I mean, I, uh, cartoonish i mean yeah that's a, yeah simple yeah, like a, really simplistic yeah. and so when you kind of uh like so when you're going to draw breasts for instance you you could either you can go really wrong with that very quickly um when uh, you know and you can kind of go I'm, is this like a 12 year old boy drawing drawing <laughs> this type of thing and you don't want to do that and you're kind of very conscious of that and i was always very conscious of um like uh so you know illustrators that i've respected kind of complaining about drawing supergirl uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, uh, but he he controversially put bike pants on. I don't know if you guys call them bike pants, but they're like exercise shorts for women. He used to struggle with uh, drawing her, particularly when she was flying, because she just wears a little skirt. And right. so he he wound up doing these kind of you know if you want to shoot you want to draw her in a particular pose, you've got to be creative about how you're not making it you know a, a bit pervy or you know and so sure. he struggled with that. And so, and I remember reading about his, and so he put bike pants on her and, and DC Comics was very angry about that because they didn't pick it up until it after had gone to print. And Yeah, that was a really weird Supergirl costume for like, I guess the 70s or maybe the Oh, 80s no, no, this or... was, this was, no, this was um reasonably re- uh, recent. It was recent? the 2000s. Okay. Yeah. So, so what he did okay. was he put the bike She's pants. She's gone through it, so it, many costumes. It's hard to keep track. Oh, well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Although she did. Yeah, she did have a jumpsuit-y kind of costume at one stage. Um, and yeah, now he got in a lot of trouble because the cardinal rule is not to change the costumes and they just didn't pick it up i think they thought it must have been shading or something and then they realized hang on a second he's put he's put shorts on her that's not right <laughs> this is why batgirl's costume's better 
Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's that's this. Yeah, you're a hundred percent correct. Um, I I struggle with kind of some of the the, the leotard kind of wearing characters and stuff like that. But then I draw in a very um a non sexual manner. If you find anything sexually exciting about my drawing, then I'm yeah, I, I, you've got problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, Lee, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever described your art this way. I mean, I, I would if I had to like pick a word, I would call it adorable. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, like kind okay. of like a cuddly teddy bear kind of anthropomorphized. I've had a couple. I've had a couple of people have, as they do on the internet, have a not uh, have a go at me, I guess, um, or criticize me by calling, you know, saying, "Oh, look, did a five-year-old draw this," and and to me, that's actually it's not. I mean, I don't like the intent. I don't like kind of the intent of what they're trying to do there, but I do like the idea of yeah sure i i'll wear that have you seen five-year-olds draw they they draw with all their heart and they draw exactly yeah. the way they mm-hmm. want to and and there's a and there's that's... an innocence to it that, yeah it really translates I think, yeah. I think you just hit it yep that's the word yeah and and that's that's what i try and capture i i think um uh, you know that's the bit that i because i do it for me basically for the joy of drawing it and some people really really like it and and i think there is kind of uh there's a lot of asian um influence in that uh, i've seen some um, you know in my travels i've seen some amazing beautiful simplistic innocent you know adorable uh asian artwork and i and i really love that kind of style so but i mean things like um wharf and spock and even seven of nine for that matter they have very distinctive looks so for my style that to capture that it's a lot easier um so wharf is an easy character to draw because you look at my drawing and go yeah that's wharf easy what is a challenge, and this is going to sound weird and probably bad, is generic males. <laughs> um, <laughs> Trip, uh, Trip Tucker, um, uh, Tom Paris, um, I guess even um, uh, Malcolm Reed. Those type of characters don't, they're just men. <laughs> they don't have any distinguishing uh, characteristics, I guess. Yeah. Nothing to latch on to to make you Their hairstyles are pretty straightforward. See, this is where, because like with the women, I, you know, it's hairstyle is the whole thing. I mean, Janeway is, you know, it's a literal, there's, there's a whole catalog mm. to yeah. choose from hairstyles. Seven seasons worth of hairstyles. For her. Exactly. <laughs> um, where Seven and Nine has a very distinctive hairstyle and very distinctive costume, of course. Yeah, I, so I find Trip Tucker is probably the hardest character to draw to make him not look like Tom Paris or not look like any generic kind of character. So, yeah. Well, you say that, and then you mentioned Spock. I was curious, like, how do you draw, how do you distinguish Spock from, like, a Romulan or a Vulcan of, of, of you know, because you have, yeah. there's no nose to work with, you know, so you're already kind of cutting off an identifying character. So I'm curious yeah, how yeah, you definitely. decide to make those different than Spock. Um, Spock's uh, the head shape. Uh, it, what's interesting is you kind of go back and look at um, even original series like a mock time and stuff like that spock's really different to the other vulcans on the screen ston i, I want to say ston yes that's um, correct yeah. that's great yeah, thank god <laughs> um ston you know he has he we're has gonna different... hang up on you if you got that wrong but i know i know i know this is right i'm terrible like i'm a really you know i'm a massive star trek fan but i don't have the encyclopedia for the specific terms um so yeah, names and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I, I I know it to recognize it. So if someone said Stone, I'd be like, yeah, I'm done. I know who exactly who that is. But for me to recall it, I'm just I, I'm going to say I'm getting old. Um, but yeah, Stone has a particular look. Um, and when you kind of study these faces, particularly when you've got such, you're working with so little lines, it, it's important to like I can do Spock 
with um, a pointy chin if I want to and still get away with it um, because your costume will fix that as well. If he's wearing the blue costume, immediately you go, yeah, that's Spock. But I try and give him, uh, I try and have a staple rounded kind of oval face type of thing. It's more like a, uh, a rounded rectangle is his face. That's Spock. And when you kind of bring them, when you kind of put him next to Ston or any other Vulcan, they, they have different hairstyles. Um, the ears will be slightly different. And it's surprising, even in my minimalistic style, you can still pick that up type of thing. Um, I mean, the same with Worf as far as the Klingons are concerned. It's, it's a very, um, you know, Worf has a particular look from season to season. So season one Worf is different to, of course, season seven Worf. Um, season one Worf is very top heavy in the, um, in the head region. Uh, and he's kind of fun to draw too. But yeah, you, you, do, you get a feel for it. I can draw Spock. Well, I know I can draw Spock drunk. Um, I've done that. Um, <laughs> I talked about this the other day about in the first Star Trek 365, I, um, I went to a Christmas party and hadn't done the drawing and realized that I hadn't done the drawing and had, and I only get drunk maybe once a year. And I, and when I get drunk, I get hammered, um, which is not healthy and I don't recommend it. Uh, but I had done that year. And so I was, it must've been like 11 o'clock at night. And I'd realized that, oh, I need a Sharpie and I need a, a napkin or a piece of paper or something because I have to snap a photo. And I got, I got a picture of drunk Spock, uh, of me drunk drawing Spock anyway. Um, so he's a very natural character to draw and I, have a, I love drawing him. Um, Dr. McCoy is actually really, he's got some great facial features. Uh, his eyes, um, some of the lines on his face, a very, very distinctive Dr. McCoy look. And that's so they're fun to draw. Anything you can know that you can nail and people will recognize is always fun. Well, you know, being, being the TOS podcast here, uh, obviously that's our focus. And I was very pleased yeah. to see you mention Star Trek Three and one of your early drawings from this year is not only being, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, one of your one of your favorite films in the franchise because it's mm. my favorite film, uh, but also having the best soundtrack, oh. arguably, uh, of the franchise. Not I, arguably, I agree as well. it does. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm just trying to be diplomatic here. I'm right here with yeah. you, but yeah. James, uh, look, I'm James, only a guest, so I don't have to be. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a, I'll take yeah. the James Horner scores for sure. Um, and then your your favorite <laughs> scene from that movie, uh, you said was the Enterprise coming back to yeah. space dock at the beginning, yeah. uh, with all the scars on it, scars on it from the previous film. You wanna, and you said that was a very powerful uh, scene to you. Do you, you want to speak about that for a minute? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I and that was one that I didn't, I really wanted to draw, but I really didn't want to draw either uh, because of that power of that scene it's interesting for so particularly as a young child kind of watching star trek 3 and you followed kirk and spock and everything and so the enterprise the original enterprise is everything um you know it's everything blah 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 but to see it in the larger world um like we'd come from star trek the motion picture where you know kirk and company rescue earth they save earth all of earth it, the, these are these are absolute <laughs> die in the wool heroes who should be hero worshipped. And if it was today, you know, they would be. And then they are, but, you know. Um, and then Star Trek Wrath of Khan, you know, they, they have so much taken from them. But then when the Enterprise comes back to Space Dock, apart from the fact that it's a beautiful scene and it still holds up today as far as the special effects are concerned, um, you have this majestic ship coming in wounded. And so everything that you've carried from the last film over to this film... Like those scars aren't just scars on the Enterprise. That's the death of Spock. That's 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 all. You know, that's everything that's come so far. 
and when this old kind of warhorse comes into space dock and it limps in and you've got the the excelsior there shiny and new and big and so much more impressive and blah 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 and you have this this beautiful uh, you know this beautiful grand lady of the ship kind of come in and then the kicker for me is apart from the fact that starfleet you know people in starfleet are standing up and watching this come in because it's un- it's completely it's baffling to them type of thing that, to see a starship like that. We have Janice Rand, who is one of my favorite characters who I, I've always had a soft spot for Janice. Um, she's only in like, you know, a handful of episodes really. Uh, but she had such a defining look and feel for women in Star Trek that she is, you know, one of the prototypes for all of original Star Trek's future women. And to have her shake her head and I always thought that it was because when I didn't know who she was, I didn't when I was young, I didn't know who she was. And to see her shake her head, I went, um, it's like they were disappointed. You know, it was like this foolishness of James Kirk had gotten the Enterprise damaged. And that's how I kind of felt about it as a kid. But then as I got older and I realized who she was and she's not shaking her head because she's disappointed. She's shaking her head because it's a shame to see the Enterprise. So she feels bad for the Enterprise. She feels bad for Kirk and she knows Spock's died and all that type of stuff. So there's so much emotion in that scene and it's just so well played out. And the music is amazing and the Enterprise is coming in. We're getting uh, for the what I feel almost even though we've had two films of this big screen Enterprise. I I honestly think that that scene really gives us more of a scope of how big she is and how amazing that ship looks really up close. And so that's yeah, I mean and that's the scene. That's that's to me that's just it's a it's a wonderful scene. I could watch it on the big screen um any day. Uh it's just a wonderful scene. I'm going to have to go watch Star Trek 3 again tonight, man. Good job. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Oh, that's it, man. It's it's just, you know, there's so much in that scene. Um and is that's the thing I think again when you start drawing these things and you start looking at them critically you are looking for emotional stuff and that is an emotional scene end of story I, I don't care what kind of I know people kind of there's this rubbish theory that it, you know what is it every odd film is bad or something and it's like it's just a, a bogus rubbish comment because Star Trek 3 is a very strong film but it's for Star Trek fans it's not for the general public it's it's you can't come into star trek 3 and and get the nuance of that film but as a star trek fan it's everything i see i know i like this guy (laughs) i I definitely (laughs) see the connection yeah it's uh it's it's pretty neat one of the things lee that uh has been really interesting listening to you is is really feeling that passion in fact it, it actually had me um fairly emotional when you were talking about the responses that you got well i'll back up even before that, when you were talking about becoming a Star Trek fan and how it's very personal, I think that's a very common theme among Star Trek fans. And I can imagine, you know, I've been to Australia, and one of the things that I didn't find very much was people who knew about Star Trek. That was not, you know, uh, I don't think, in you know, even in the U.S., it's one thing. So when you say Star Trek, you think, you know, um, a lot of fans, but it's very personal. You think Star Wars, you think nostalgia, right? A lot of people just yeah. remember, yeah. you know, that, that, that kind of feel. Um, yeah. But when you were talking about the drawings and the people becoming reflective after your drawings and, and giving you that kind of feedback, I can't imagine um, 
well, I, I, one, I think you're doing a term, you're giving a gift to a lot of people just by doing that, right? I know some people who said, you know, have a go at you. There's, yeah. there's always those, you know, there's nothing. If, you, if, you're, if you're not doing that, you're not doing anything right. <laughs> I, I, I guess, but you know, that, that old yeah. uh, saying about if you don't have something nice to say, right? But, oh, I'm a, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's the point? But I, I, I was just listening to you talk about that impact that you're having on people's lives and it's you know it's it's not a small thing so i understand why people would be coming back oh you missed a day or whatever (laughs) and whatnot because it's like well what dose am i going to get and and where are you going to take me because star trek is a life journey for a lot of people and for whatever the scene you just described and the way it impacted you 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 know we all have that Uh, you know Mm. in the way you describe it you know it takes me back makes me think about it so I guess I'm making more of a statement than a comment, but I, I would just like to um, just kind of give you what's what's the feeling like when you get those responses when you when when somebody um, you know shares it's, a personal moment because of something oh, you've created. It's um it, it's everything. It, it's it, I cannot um I, I cannot stress how much it's like I like it's because I sell the drawings too because I. I one thing I don't want 365 pieces of paper floating around my office every day. Um, and people have, you know, said, how do I get, how do I get a copy type of thing? And it's like, well, look, I'll just sell the originals. It's, it's easy. And I, I, I dabble very, very lightly in, in the odd print and stuff, but I'm, I'm more about just look, here's the original. I drew it. It was in my hands. Now it's yours. You do what you want, want with it type of thing. Um, so there's, uh, uh, you know, obviously so, um, and I'm also on Patreon and stuff like that. And I mentioned these things only because there's obviously some sort of, you know, financial support there as far as art supplies and stuff like that's concerned. But none of that really, like, it's nice. It's it's all nice. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's it it's completely. If I had to give that up to to just have the comments um, from people as far as like. I had um in particularly the first one. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place with this uh, because it is emotional to me. It is actually um, I can't stre- I can't say the gravity of it enough because it is so powerful. I had someone contact me over a scene that I drew from. I think must have been Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, might have been Kirk and um, holding Spock's hand, um, something like that. Anyway. And I had them kind of contact me and say, look, you know, um, I'm actually, I, because uh, without a doubt you will get, um, you, you can't get into Star Trek fandom without getting into slash fiction at some stage. I'm, I'm not into it myself, but we're getting exposed to it. The the entire kind of, particularly on Tumblr, um, this entire concept of Kirk and Spock being in love with each other. Yeah. And, I, you know, and that doesn't offend me. I don't get people who are really upset by that because it doesn't, you know, it you get what you want out of it type of thing. Um, but they contacted me and they said, you know, look, and, and they were gay and that was a huge revelation for them of the idea of these two characters kind of having a connection, two male characters having a strong bond and stuff like that. Um, and, of course, they took it into uh, as far as the sexuality aspect of it was concerned. Um, whereas I, when I grew up, this idea of Spock and, and Kirk being really, really good male friends um, and literally just being that was so powerful in itself anyway. But this person was taking that one step forward and saying, you know, and it, it, it's this kind of 
you're struggling with your own identity and struggling with whether or not you know being told by the entire world that you're you're odd or you're weird or whatever type of thing and these type of scenes um making them kind of go you know reinforcing that i that other people saw that scene and it was fine like it's not a shameful thing to men holding hands um you know and for me it's just a powerful scene between two friends but for that person it was this stronger image of you know two men embracing almost on screen and and i have no idea what that's like i'm a i'm a heterosexual white middle-aged man um essentially you know i'm i'm everything that has ruined this planet um but it's so I don't have that experience as far as, um, you know, being that minority or being the the person who, who just feels like their existence is an affront to some people. And to have someone say that to me and kind of say, it was very emotional for me. And I just, it was the first time that I kind of recognize the power of Star Trek as far as, like I'm not, and it's not even from me. I'm just, I'm capturing images from a franchise. Um, like they did it in the first place so it's so i'm kind of riding on that anyway um but it's really really nice and so i you know i tell that story just simply it's it's the gravity of of kind of what we do some days and so i i I try and be respectful to every character um there was one challenge where i had to mention which character i don't like the most and i think chakotay was the character i chose um and i had all these people kind of reach out and say oh my god how can you say that uh, and it's like okay no it's like i i like chakotay a hell of a lot more than i like you know as i said um you know dub dub jar jar and, <laughs> you know star wars um so yeah don't feel you know when i say that's my least favorite character it's not i don't hate the character i just it's my you know it's my least if i had to rank them type of thing um somebody's gotta yeah. take the bottom slot i mean that's just how it is yeah, someone has to exactly, um, and so you know when so so I don't I I I've made it very very clear to myself and consciously that I will never ever uh, try and disparage or or to brush aside anyone's thoughts on any of these. Like if someone comes to me and says you know that scene between Quark and someone, and I'm like that is the sh- <coughs> scene. Sorry, can I swear? Oh, <laughs> sorry, I just, I just I just did swear. I just. I just I just became very Australian. Sorry, um, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm conscious not to dismiss it, and it's so it's it, yeah, it it can be a challenge some days um, when you're tired and you and you don't think, but yeah, it's just it's everything. It really is. Uh, I just think that it's such a wonderful power uh, of good to watch people talk about these things together. That's I, I I prefer it even when I'm not even involved in the conversation. I see two people discussing. Uh, a scene just because it's been triggered um, from from what I've done, and they they talk about a scene, and it just goes off, and there's a whole conversation going on taking place completely without me and without the drawing. Um, but that's awesome. That's that is just fantastic. And then I've got other people who are who are picking up pencils and picking up pens and drawing their own, and sometimes better, well, often better than me. And that's fine, and that's great, and I think that's exciting. Um, I think people kind of being inspired to go back and watch an episode is so fantastic um, because there's some sort of it's just we've got enough there's enough anger and horror and you know everything else that a bit of joy and a bit of happiness uh, I don't you know you can't you can't take that from anyone Um, you shouldn't take that from anyone so well 
I'm enjoying seeing uh, you're doing these women, these postcards mm. of some of the female characters. How many have you done so far and how many left 25. to go? No, 25. It was a set of 25. Um, I It was a, a whole bunch of circumstances led to it, uh, mainly uh, because it's a, the sketch cards are done in markers. Um, instead of watercolors, um, I had a I have a, a scanner which died, and so I've got a, only a very crappy old scanner um, that doesn't pick up the very like I have to have a very specific type of scanner to pick up um, the full tonal range of a watercolor. So I um, so I said to myself, okay, well, cool. I've had kind of people raise the issue of. Um, not enough representation of women in the Star Trek drawings, and that's you know, and, and there's 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 reasons for it. It doesn't; it, those reasons don't matter because at the end of the day, uh, Star Trek's about representation, and if and women certainly have been underrepresented in you know all the series to to some degree. Um, probably not Voyager, I guess, is pro- probably the exception to that, and of course Discovery. Um, but it's you know, and and I, immediately I went through the whole process of of kind of i think when any kind of man is probably confronted with the idea of of not being this perfect non-misogynist person yeah um you know you know i you know i i, I kind of you go through that emotional kind of range of of oh hang on a second no i love women i have you know oh hang on a second I, yeah that's not an answer and stuff like that so the, the correct answer was the correct answer was literally okay well that's cool i can add more women in and doing the women of star trek was a great way to celebrate those women um, and focus on them in the sketch cards and it was a fun activity to try and pick them one that i dreaded though because it was a matter of you leave out um row or someone like that and you're just going to be roasted and it's just that's the way it is it's just as, as i said numerous times and then there was a uh, you know people are very emotional about it and this is where i kind of and uh, had that experience of um i'm i i made the joke or, or i teased i didn't say i made a joke i teased the fact that dr crusher may or may not appear and I mean, of course she was always going to appear like she's a lead character in, in next generation she was always going to be one of the 25 she's she's a great character but i teased when people asked would not she would appear and that was wrong <laughs> because people got very upset and accused me well, of, it's hard, of, kind of right because oh. i mean you can only if you're only doing so many you're limited to certain ones and you can't please everybody and pick everybody's favorite yeah. female character or whatever oh, that's so it. But, again but you're it gonna disappoint somebody and they're just gonna oh, have yeah. to get over it <laughs> Well, this is the thing, but I mean, Doctor Crusher. She's a, you know, as I say, she's a, she's a leading character. She was always going to be in the set, and 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 I then got my back up about. Well, of course, she's going to be in the bloody set. Don't, you know, what are you, what are you accusing me of being that insensitive of? And so I got upset about that, and then um, so it became a big thing, and then um, and then it wasn't a big thing because it was like, uh, you, you've always got to to stand in someone else's shoes and see why they're upset about whatever. And why they're upset is because you know, because women in Star Trek don't get the, the don't get uh, often don't get the the prominence that they should have. Um, if you look at the Next Generation films, and I love them, don't you know? I love the Next Generation films, but there are films that the character, you know, the female characters are given very little to do. Um, you know, Doctor Crusher. I don't know why she doesn't have a bigger part in some of the films. Um, she has you know one or two scenes, and then it's kind of she's she's relegated. Um, 
but yeah, you know, because they're, they're films, they're, they've got to focus on someone. Um, and if you go back and look at original uh, Next Generation's first season, it's really uh, disheartening because it's it's kind of you know Star Trek's this vision of the future where everyone's equal and stuff like that. But um, just through the, I guess the times that it was, um, you know, you would have a, a briefing for the for the for a mission, and the chief of security wasn't there. Um, and you know the doctor's not there, but the helmsman and Wolf <laughs> and yeah, all these guys. There's a massive Does sausage really fest. Need to be in these meetings. <laughs> yeah, like you know, in a junior grade, right? <laughs> Tasha, Tasha Yar's like, you know, I am the head of security. Do you not want me to attend this thing? No, no, we got Geordie. He's fine. So we'll get Geordie's <laughs> opinion on this. Um, you know, you know all you this know. this talk of doctors and drawings and stuff. I have, I have a drawing suggestion for you. I don't know if you oh, have the rest. I've of never had it. No, no one's ever made a drawing suggestion. Has so anyone please. ever asked you to know? Nah. Uh, <laughs> so no one's we, ever got an opinion. We, we just did a show on Dan and Moldar uh, being on the original series. So I just I thought of a, and you could just file this away for you know whenever. Yeah. But if you you could do a drawing of Doctor Pulaski, Doctor Miranda Jones from Is There in Truth No Beauty and. Yeah. Dr. Mulhall from Return of Tomorrow. You could put all three of them together. Just a suggestion. File that away for yeah, any day would, when it, you run out. She, Dr. Yeah, Dr. Pulaski is a, an interesting character in that um, she, she's really loved by some and really hated by others. She's she's one of the more polarizing characters. She is polarizing, is she not? Yeah. yeah and, <laughs> I, I happen I, to I love, love her, but... Well, I love her too. And, and I actually... It was when she first appeared on Star Trek Next Generation. So I would have been... I don't know, I'm going to date myself here. You know, again, probably 13, 14 or something. And I recognized her immediately and went, oh my God, you know, this is an original Star Trek actress appearing as a, as a regular. Um, I was very excited about that. And then she was mean to Data. And I was like, I'm okay with that. Um, and everyone else was <laughs> not okay with that. <laughs> and even watching it now, I love Data. But, um, you know, so her being mean to him does not, it doesn't really impact me. But I can see what people get really upset by. She was mean to Data. And she's really quite savage to him at the first couple episodes uh so yeah but no i i, I love yeah i you know that's that's a great idea for a set of of three sketch cards it really is uh, you heard um, her first guys coming soon from lisa there Archer. you go that's it although i am i am stepping back from the women of trek sketch cards for for a brief period because i just i need a break <laughs> now as we kind of wrap things up here i did want to mention you know looking at some of your other artwork i saw you, you were drawing some babylon 5 stuff uh yeah, which i'm, I'm a big fan of b5 yes. and O'Haley is uh, what what are your thoughts on on B five? What's your take on that? Because that that, that, that to me that is the other great star franchise is Babylon five. I um I watched it when it first came out. Um, so in Australia, science fiction is often well used to be often um, delegated to about eleven o'clock at night on uh, like one or two of the channels. And and the reason why they did that was uh, because it rated really well at that time of night, which was interesting. Um, but it was never prime time, so uh, we never had. Uh, sci-fi in prime time d space nine's original em- the emissary was shown at like 8 30 at night and then the show quickly went to quickly went to its 11 o'clock the time dangers slot. of syndication right yeah. wow this is it and um so that's 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 my f- memories of all these shows um farscape i don't know if you guys are farscape if you've experienced farscape started uh, watching it i haven't gotten well, into it but well, i've started Full respect, because it's Australian. Uh, it was filmed here in Australia, and it's got a lot of Australian actors in it, and um, we didn't show it on our TV. <laughs> um, it, it was, uh, it, they actually ran through uh, two seasons of it uh, over 
Christmas one year. They just ran it every night, like three episodes every night and just burnt through it. And that was its first showing in Australia, which is crazy. Um, I highly recommend sticking with Farscape. It's actually extraordinarily good, um, particularly towards the end. But um, Babylon 5, for me, I watched it late at night uh, with my mum. My mum was a massive Babylon 5 fan. And so that was a wonderful experience to be able to watch a show with her. And she was very into it. Um, She knew a lot more about it than I did, um, which was kind of cool because uh, she would talk about the shadow war and stuff like that and she she was very very knowledgeable on it um and so that yeah, I was, I mean, that, I was that's my dad's that. favorite show of all time like like Babylon yeah. five and then original series like those are his number yeah two, i, one I two think mum would my mum would be similar kind of she she loved babylon five and she has all the dvds and stuff like that so anyway i um so i watched it like that and that was a bit piecemeal because you wouldn't get to see it every week and stuff like that um and then i did i borrowed all her dvds um, and I still have one of them and she reminds me of it, you know, generally all the time. Yeah, she's, she's, she's 80 uh, or they're just about to turn 80 and um, she forgets all sorts of things, but she doesn't forget that I have that bloody disc. Um, <laughs> but um, so I watched it right through and I loved it. I love the fact that it hints towards what's to come constantly like Londo and I'm and I'm rewatching it now and that's why I'm doing the drawings from it and I'm actually going to exclusive for you guys I'll let you know um, I was drawing scenes but I am actually going to go to sketch cards um, oh, okay. so we are Great. going to do a sketch card for each episode so it's like a hundred and something episodes um, because I was kind of look, looking at so I drew the um, the soul hunter yes I always thought looked kind of like a Ferengi does he not he definitely because he has the Ferengi stuff for at the back of his head. The mm-hmm. um, the, the, uh, the makeup could, saver, the alien makeup saver, yeah. as I call it. For, <laughs> I've got a question a, for you. I'll test you guys. There. I'm gonna test you, test your geekness. Then you, you might be able to answer me a question. Mm-hmm. Is he the Klingon from Star Trek VI, the um, Ruapenthe? Yes, guy. That is the same Excellent. actor. Yeah. Oh, it saves me a trip to Google. Thank you. Because <laughs> I saw him, I'm going, I'm certain he's that Klingon. Then I watched Star Trek 6 the other day, and I'm like, oh, I'm certain that's the, the soul He is uh, hunter. He's that. He's Ira Graves on uh, the Schizoid Man on TNG, and he's also the uh, oh. the Vulcan, head of the Vulcan uh, Science Academy in 09. That's right. Oh. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Your human okay, mother. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, yeah, so so I'm rewatching it now, and what I'm going to do, so I had him, and I was kind of like, you know what? Because uh, from that episode, uh, from the very first episode, uh, there's there's sequences like that you just want to capture, and I just don't have time. Um, but there's characters I want to capture, and I want to capture the um, female, um, the female. Uh, no, um, the not the. Uh, oh. What's Londo? What's Londo? He's a. Oh, the, um, oh, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What, race what race is he? What race is Londo? Centauri. Yes. Yeah, Centauri. There's the the Centauri exotic dancer that is sent to betray him oh yeah and i want to draw her and i'm like i i just can't find a scene to kind of really pick so i'm just gonna go you know what? i'm just gonna draw her in a card and and i'll go back and eventually londo will get his own card and eventually you know before the end uh before the end of season one um not sheridan um sinclair, sinclair. will get his card and so so i thought I, that you know i recently cool i recently rewatched season one and i actually like sinclair a lot more than i think he, he got a bad rap because the show I, got so much better later on down the road with Sheridan, yeah. but Sinclair's like actually him. a pretty great character on his own. Yeah. With a great, compelling story in the first season, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And that's what I'm getting from it. I just, it's such good, um, complete storytelling. And again, this is something that I would argue if you want to, if you want to really 
turn around. If you want to say, look, no, I don't, you know, Discovery was an extraordinarily well done first season. It's like, no, look at the first season of Babylon 5. That's a show that sat down and went, I want to, I want to go somewhere and I know exactly where I'm going to go. And I'm going to set it up. So Londo says, um, or Jakar, one of the two say, I've already seen my death. And yeah. it will be at the hands of, you know, me choking Jakar type of thing. And then that, and then it happens and it happens in such a way. Um, I only vaguely remember how it happens, but it happens, I know, in such a convoluted way, but it still gets to that point. And you go, oh, wow. You know, because there's a whole sequence where they're, where they're allies and you're going, you know, how are they how is this going to happen? And then it does happen and then they're enemies and it's just, a, it's a beautifully nuanced series. And I think that's what I'm saying about when poor old discovery, you know, you had Brian Fuller there straight away and he leaves um, for whatever reasons, so, you know, and then you have kind of all this kind of apparently concerns going on in the writer's room. It wasn't yeah. All, all kinds be. of behind the scenes drama as, as time goes on, more and more comes out. You, ca- you can't yeah. do yeah. You can't do Babylon 5. Yeah, I mean, J. Michael Straczynski had a singular vision and he made it happen. And then they got that extra season for TNT. We won't talk about that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I really <laughs> I really like because, how Because, well, you, he uh, had to rush it. He had to rush it. True. And that's the show. Well, yeah, no, um, I like I like they saved Sleeping in Light to the end of season mm. five. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah. We're getting some real inside Babylon 5 talk here. But anyway, I love that anyway. you're drawing <laughs> I love that you're drawing me five. I, lo- I, I, I would assume Kosh is pretty fun to draw. His encounter. Scene, Kosh huh? was. I'd never drawn Kosh. I'd never, never drawn him before. And then, um, I drew him, and and I was just like, oh, I love this design so much. Like it's a ridiculously clever design because it's so. And I didn't realize watching the pilot episode. I didn't realize they revealed Kosh so much. Um, well, it, it depends on if you watch the uh, special edition or the original. I, which I did version. this time, yeah, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I've watched. You know what? Past, I think so. you and I talked about that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I think you explained <laughs> it to me because I was like, I had no idea I what totally it was. I totally forgot about that exchange until just there now. We go. But I, but you know, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that Kosh was ever kind of revealed that he had that we ever had any indication what they look like. So to see that was kind of cool. Um, and it's actually so. Uh, since we're kind of talking about derivative stuff, I'm I'm a massive fan of Mass Effect as well. Um, I think the I don't know if you've got any gamers who listen, but uh, I think the world of Mass Effect is another sci-fi universe that has just been built really well, very strongly, and does owe Star Trek and Babylon Five and all these shows uh, a huge debt because of that world building that has come before them. Uh, but you know, I just I I kind of think. This is and this is why the only thing that I ever kind of tracked away from from Discovery as far as what my only real complaint is, and I don't care about the visual stuff. It's just it is what it is, and I don't care about the Klingons doing their thing. But I just kind of think I, I, it's a real missed opportunity with a bunch of really cool characters to to shine, and I just don't think they got a chance to. And I think that's the and I think people who don't acknowledge that are deluding themselves to some degree. Um, just because they're not, it's not a strong episode. You need to demand better, and we need to be saying to CBS and stuff, we want to see you know get your <coughs> together. You can make money out of this, like Star Trek. You don't have to make it bad to make money. That's the other thing. You can actually have it as an art form. It, it doesn't have to be. Um, I, I don't. Even, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be soulless. It doesn't have to be what Star Wars is becoming. Star Trek has a tangible impact on the world, and it's important. And we probably it's probably the most influential franchise of all time, even 
on top of Star Wars and stuff like that, simply in how it's affected our day-to-day life. So I think that it deserves to be handled with care and respect and not to necessarily be a money-making... I mean, you can make lots of money, but I don't think that should be the primary thing for this. I think it needs to be caretaker. Someone needs to take care of it. And I was always critical of CBS and Paramount because I don't really understand the companies. Um, I know that there's a division and I don't really understand them. Um, but I felt the 50th anniversary was just, I would have handled it a lot different and I would have liked to have seen it. And just to keep you guys up as late as possible and to <laughs> dominate this podcast completely. It's it's earlier for me. These, oh, these good. Okay. Well, I, got I, know it's, I know it's a leisurely Saturday now in afternoon over there. Exactly. I got it all happening here. I'm right. I've had my coffee. I'm fine. <laughs> um, but in the 50th anniversary, what I would have done I would have 100% done is you had the cast filming um, Star Trek Beyond anyway. I would have actually done an updated version, just purely in special effects, not in script or anything like that, of The Man Trap. And I would have aired it exactly 50 years after to really bring everyone in. So, you know, this Kelvin, if you wanted to unite the Kelvin universe with original Star Trek fans, I would have, for the 50th anniversary as a celebration, I would have had the actors from Star Trek Beyond shoot the man trap again to have Dr. McCoy and all that type of stuff doing their thing and shown it exactly to the, you know, to the minute 50 years later as the celebration. And they couldn't do it because of the rights. I know that um, like TV and movie were separate and stuff like that. But if you were to take the rights away and you were to take, make Star Trek purely Star Trek um, and a celebration, I think that would have been a beautiful, magical experience for the current, the new next generation of fans who have come aboard because of Kelvin or whatever type of thing, Chris Pine and, and stuff like that. Um, And that's what I would have done. Uh, I just think that would have been a beautiful way of doing it and and a proper celebration which i don't think we ever got well and you know i've met a lot of people who um in going to stlv who have come into the franchise because of the new films and a lot of them have gone back and watched you know the original series or tng or you know and they're working their way through it because they they saw these films just purely based on oh, it's a big blockbuster, boom, special effects film. And, oh, I like, you know, Zachary Quinto or I like Chris Pine. You know, I like the actors that are in it and not knowing who these characters are. And then they've gone back. And so I think that's really great. Uh, I'm going to steer us because it is getting pretty late here. But it's been such a fun conversation. So, Lee, where can people find you on the Internet so that they can know what you're working on? what your future's endeavors are, maybe buy some of your artwork to support you because your artwork's really cool. And I must say, I actually love it when you draw the ships. I think you do a really great job. I can only draw like stick people and like happy smile faces. So you would, you would be surprised. <laughs> I've got this great um, how to draw Spock as a stick person uh, tutorial that I should share. Yes. Um, because, and you can actually, it's a double bonus. You can make him Tuvok very easily. Um, it's just a slight change of the hair. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, as a stick figure. So I, I'd say to everyone that, that everyone can at least draw Spock, um, which is fun. Uh, yeah, look, Twitter is probably right now, I think that's because um, that's where I probably have most of the Star Trek conversations. I'm also on Facebook. But if you go to leedrawsstuff.com, uh, that's probably my hub where you can kind of go on to Star Trek 
365.com um, and place see where else I'm doing type of thing, whatever malarkey I'm doing. Um, because, I, yeah, it's it's... It's it's been like a lot of people are kind of coming to it with the Star Trek, but I'm discovering um, you know Babylon Five fans and stuff like that, and that's really cool. Uh, Sequest fans, Orphan, I love Orphan Black. I came to that late too. We'll have to I, talk about that. Yeah, no, let's, let's, not yes. okay. let's not start again. Let's not start again. But yeah, so so yeah, um, yeah. If you follow me on on Twitter and I haven't followed you back, um, it don't feel offended by it. I have, I've thought I have followed you, or I just haven't kind of. If you haven't interacted with me, I try and follow back anyone who kind of at mentions me, um, unless unless they're being mean, and then I kind of don't follow them back as much. Um, although I obsessively cult, you know, obsessively check into their account as much, as much as I can to see what they're saying, mean things. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, I love those kind of conversations. I've had some great conversations about Star Trek. And um, so that's, yeah, come and follow me there. And, and I, I, and we can have as one-sided conversation as this <laughs> where I just, just throw a lot of information at you. That works. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, I do no, apologize. Th- thanks again, man. I mean, th- this was this was an epic conversation, it and it really, you're an amazing guest. We'll have to have you back on. I mean, you're obviously very passionate about Star Trek. I have a lot of strong takes. I'd love to talk to you more about them in the future. But uh, so we'll that'd uh, be I'll awesome. Re- yeah, really enjoy the conversation. We'd love to have you back on, and and I look forward to uh, to uh, Lee draws 365 uh, Babylon Five scribbles. Here we go. So. <laughs> That's it. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for having me on, guys. And um, this has been a lot of fun. It's really, again, this is the wonder of, of Star Trek being able to talk about it um, with like-minded people, even if you don't agree on the same things. But it sounds like we agree on a lot, so that's worked out well. I would say about Absolutely. 99.7%, somewhere in that range. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, Lee draws 365 Star Trek scribbles. Isn't the only thing we're talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm. To the journey! I love that Barkley says he's lost himself in Voyager because I have been there, man. Haven't we all, Reg? Haven't we all? It hits a little close to home. It does. I'm a little bit like Barkley in some ways. I, you know, I have just a little bit of paranoia to me. Awkward? No, a little paranoid. No, I don't think I'm awkward. No. Okay, maybe, a, maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, you said you're like Barkley. Awkward. Give me a glass of wine and I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Sent the hall. Excuse me. Sent the hall. The 602 Club. Well, and I think that uh, there's even, you know, a, a kernel of that conversation uh, reflected in when he is on uh, the, the airship with his dad. And it's very interesting because Indy gives, you know, they give the, the two versions of the story where, you know, you were distant, you didn't hang out with me, you didn't do these things, I didn't have a normal dad like every other kid. And then you hear, uh, you know, Henry Jones Sr. say, I never told you to wash behind your ears. I never checked up on your homework. I gave you all of the freedom and independence that you wanted. And if you were to ask any kid, they'd say that's what they wanted. And then you find out, to speak to the point about fact and truth, that that's not necessarily what you want. You want involvement. You want connection. You want to be together. You want to be part of your family unit. And you want it to be cohesive. I mean, you know, at a, at a baseline, that's what everybody wants. Earl Grey. And especially, like, toward the end, when it's like, Jean-Luc, 
what are you and I doing just like voyaging around the galaxy by ourselves on this ship? <laughs> like it makes perfect sense to you, but it makes no sense to me, yeah. right? Just the two of us like on this giant ship. It's well, like, when wow. it was just a small skeletal crew, you know, and she's still questioning, he's like, why do we have all of these rooms and quarters? And, and then Data just nonchalantly, well, we have... You know, we need uh, evacuation and we take diplomats around yeah. it. And like he's listing it like, well, duh, this is why we have it. And Picard's like, that'll be enough data. Warp five. Well, you remember it was like when it was 42. You weren't very reasonable then, were you? Uh, no, I was not. Exactly. I was absolutely not. I was yelling at a tree in my backyard. It was not a pretty sight. <laughs> all I Big Men in Heat is not a good idea. Oh, that sounds like a great band. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trek.fm and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trek.fm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trek.fm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trek.fm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs... You can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. <laughs> yes, and use the hashtag Trek Tuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.